Hi, I'm Holly. And I am Danielle, and you're listening to the Spooky Hour. You get a song this week because I'm not in like the worst mood ever. <laughs> not in the worst mood. <laughs> I'm not in the best, but <laughs> I'm just in like a eh mood. Like I re- go ahead. I was gonna say like if I could like like if I wasn't recording, I'd probably just go to bed now. Fucking same. Like, like, like I just eh. don't want to do anything anymore. Um, my boss actually sent me an article. I think it was in the New York Times about this like this situation we're in and the word they use is called languish where it's like nothing's really wrong per se but like you just feel like dick like yeah (laughs) you're not like depressed about anything in particular you're just like wow there's nothing to look forward to and that's kind of the point i've hit this is off to a really happy start (laughs) (laughs) i get my vaccine tomorrow oh yay i get mine on monday so by the time you're listening to this we will both have our first dose yeah, and we'll both be robots with like three limbs. It's gonna be great. I'm so excited. Me too. I I keep telling people I'm getting a microchip, and I think that they think that I'm serious. No, but it's making fun of the people that think. I'm yeah, <laughs> I'm actually really excited. This is like the only thing I have to look forward to, and I don't even like needles. Like I don't like getting needles, and I'm like, yay! I'm going to. Get, I'm probably gonna make my mom drive me. Yay, to be needles. honest, because <laughs> I might faint. <laughs> uh, me and Stu are actually going together. We have the same appointment, so we got lucky. You did get lucky because a lot of people got like, like split up willy nilly. Mm-hmm. Uh, my boyfriend's uncle and his wife went, and his appointment was at like, like ten a.m. or something, and hers was at like three p.m. So That's she tough. drove, yeah, she drove and dropped him off, and then I guess the nurse that did it like saw the same last name twice, and she's like, "Oh, is this your wife or your?" And he's like, "Yeah, it's my wife." She's like, "Oh, she's out. Is she outside? Because she can come in and get hers now." And he's like, oh. no, she went home. Like, That's so annoying. <laughs> yeah. yeah, ours is like a five minute, like his is like 325 and mine's at 330. So That's awesome. And you just easier. have to like sit for 15 minutes after to make sure you're not like allergic or anything. Yeah. I mean, I doubt I am because I'm literally not allergic to anything except dairy, but it's fine. I'm allergic to everything, but I've never had like, I get uh, like the normal reaction. Like I'll probably be like gross afterwards yeah, like i'll probably feel icky but like i'd rather feel that than you know what it's, is that called the if you feel icky goes down it means your it's mouth. working so yeah exactly exactly i just get crusty and i'm a baby <laughs> <laughs> that's why i stopped getting the flu shot because i hate the feeling of like the two days that you're just like i feel oh, gross that's the reason why you don't get the flu shot literally Holly. but i haven't had the flu in so long Holly. so it's like I'm gonna. I'm, gonna I'm doing you. okay so far. <laughs> well, yeah, this year because you haven't left your house. Fair. I did get the fucking H1N1 when that was around, though. Of course you. I did. got that. Yeah, that was brutal. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I thought it was strep throat until uh, I knew it wasn't strep throat. I was gonna say this on the graphic, but I'll hold that. Back. Yeah, please don't. I don't want to throw up. I just ate a bagel. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'll let you keep the bagel. <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you. It's very kind. But yeah, that's that's it. We're just that's our good news. Our good news is we're getting vaccinated, and we don't really have any bad news. We're just you know let us out. We live in Ontario. Help us. Yeah, just, that's it. We're on lockdown like eight million two hundred and sixty-two. God, uh, someone uh, sent a Snapchat, and it looked like they sent it to like a bunch of people. The way it was worded, they were, but they were like, uh, "So do you think I should get ready to go back to work on the twenty-first? Like, what should I wear on my first day?" And I'm like, "Oh, hon." 
You're not going back to work on the 21st. You tried. (laughs) I I could see them, like, lifting some things, maybe, but we're still, like, really high. Like, I don't understand why we're still in the high 3000s. Because people are, at this point, aren't listening. Like It's true. It's like, now, but everyone's just fed up because, and I get it. Yeah. It's like, the lockdowns, this should have been done forever ago, and it could have been over and done with. But now, because it's, like the third fourth lockdown or whatever it is now people no one are takes it seriously yeah no, and like everyone's mad about it and i get the frustration so it just sucks because it's like not the the right thing to do to go out there in crowds and fucking yeah. yell about it but like i get it yeah like i'm like, just gonna stay in my basement though and be sad about it <laughs> like we're like i'm getting we're getting our vaccine tomorrow and Stuart's 30th birthday is this summer oh yeah so we're like now that we have a vaccine and pretty much all of our friends have it now thank you yeah. just because of the way they their jobs they get to their we all got really it. really lucky yeah. yeah so now we're gonna actually have something for his birthday and if the government wants to fight me on it they can fucking fight me on it i don't care yeah anymore. vaccinated people are allowed to be around each other from what yeah. i understand they so here's what i don't get so apparently you could be vaccinated and outside together and not have to wear a mask but if you go inside and you're vaccinated with that same group of people you have to put your mask on that is my, I do, i'd still wear my mask no matter what but like yeah what's well, so fucking dumb <laughs> like i i they're I keep telling myself there's got to be some science behind all of these weird little, like, things that don't seem to make sense, but <laughs> I don't know anymore. Yeah. But I'm know. excited. Yeah, Stuart messaged me all excited about his 30th birthday, and I was like, fuck, we can actually do it. Yeah, we can. Because we'll can both actually- have... Carl's a scientist. He was the first one vaccinated. Mm-hmm. I... <laughs> I got in because of my BMI, and I've seen a lot of mixed reviews about that online. A lot of people think that we shouldn't get it. My stance on it is that the healthcare system has fucked me over so many times because of my size. So if I get to fucking use it yeah. for something good for once, I'm gonna get it. So and if you you fall in that range, even though BMI is fucking stupid, it's it is stupid. It, like I would abuse it too. I'd be like hell yeah, yeah, dude. I saw someone, uh, someone I know through like Instagram is a CFL player, so like NFL but Canadian. You could wash laundry off of his abs, and he's classified as morbidly obese. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not taking it personally, but I am taking it to my advantage. Yeah. I'm excited. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, apparently we're all, apparently everyone in Ontario is getting it by the 24th. We'll see. I fucking doubt that. But we'll see. <laughs> oh, yeah. Long weekend. Mm, see what you did there, Doug Ford. Oh, I didn't even think of that. That's so funny. Oh, I Doug. Hate. Fuck. You're an idiot. You're oh, Doug. Moron. Do you remember at the beginning? We were like, wow, he's doing the right thing. <laughs> yeah literally last march we're like wow he's actually like surprisingly doing the right thing and now a year later we're like this fucking moron oh god moron so maybe hopefully after next monday's episode we will be more high-spirited and fucking partying hopefully or dead (laughs) or dead dead. yeah god what a ray of sunshine (laughs) (laughs) now i'm scared (laughs) You'll be freaking fine. Oh, I know. Okay. <laughs> should we just get spooky now? Yeah, I think we should just get spooky. Before Holly has a panic attack. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm sorry, girl. Just, oh, it's fine. Just plan your You've will. You just started the hamster wheel of anxiety. It's fine. <laughs> it just plan your will now and give me all of your dead butterflies. That's all I want. Thank you. I should, yeah, I should write it out. You're right. That's what I'll do tonight. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll do it too. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. 
Okay, we're going to get into some spookies because mine's actually really long today and I'm sorry. Um, but we're going to talk about the Great Amherst Mystery. Okay, I don't know this one. Yeah, I, the, the, I, the, the name Amherst is familiar. It could be common, but... It's Canadian. So it's Canadian. It is. We it's love from, Canadian spooky. Yeah, it's from Canada land. But um, <laughs> I knew about it, but like I didn't know about it, if you know what I mean. Like I knew what it was, but I didn't you know You didn't the go details. into details? Yeah. yeah. So um, I've... Lately, I've been steering, like, towards the East Coast lately, so I'm going to keep that, that trend I up. love that. So this is a story out of Nova Scotia. I know where we're going now that we're vaccinated. Yes. Wait, what? We're going to travel to the East Coast when we're, like, fully vaccinated. Oh, yeah. I was like, wait. I'm like, <laughs> what does this story have to do with vaccination? I got so confused there. Well, because wow. you're like, I'm all about the East Coast right now. I'm like, shit, I want to go to the East Coast. So yeah. let's just, let's just do it. <laughs> you confused me so bad. My, my brain just, like, mushed. I was like, what? <laughs> Um, but the story takes place in 1878 in the town of Amherst. The Teed family lived in a cottage. The family consisted of Daniel Teed and his wife, Olive. Their two boys, Willie and Aww. George. So they were five and one years old. And also living that with them was Olive's sister, Esther Cox, and also Jane Cox. So both sisters. And then Daniel's brother, John Teed, was also living with them. It's so a it was full a, house. I was going to say, that's a lot of fucking people in a cottage. Yeah. Um, so now this story centers around Esther. According to reports, her mother had died when Esther was only three weeks old, leaving her and Olive and their other sister, Jane, in the care of their grandmother. Esther's character was said to be, like, very nice and sweet, but also very stubborn. And when her mind is made up, that's it. There's, like, no turning back. <laughs> Honestly, same. Um, I was just going to say, it sounds like someone we know. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm the most stubborn person you will yeah. ever meet, especially when I want to do something. It's my yeah. way or the highway, asshole. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> no turn of back. Um, but she had a good reputation and she was brought up like very old fashioned. So like, I'll just leave it at that. Very old fashioned. Yeah. Um, so now one of Daniel Teed's friends. So Esther, like at the time of the story, I believe she was 18 years old. Okay. Um, and it's... if. I'm, I kind of haven't said what the story's about, but I'll, I'll get into it. Um, so now one of Daniel Teed's friends, Bob McNeil, um, Esther seemed to have taken like, uh, like a liking to, and one afternoon in the summer of 1878, Bob had invited Esther to go for a ride in his carriage. Romantic. <laughs> um, or not. They went into a, like a wooded area where Bob ended up trying to sexually assault Esther fucking bob right now she was actually kind of like considered saved like nothing went further even though so he had a gun and she obviously denied and said no um but another carriage host ended up like driving by and bob didn't want to get caught so he uh... brought esther back to like her cottage home and apparently after this incident esther was like extremely depressed and in like a lot of distress and her family noticed pretty quickly because esther was like this normal like fun loving girl um now they just assumed that esther and bob got into a tiff during their wagon ride because bob bob wasn't like showing up anymore and he was like always around so they just assumed that's what happened and didn't really press on the matter so i guess they were like kind of what an item before like it was yeah um on september 4th 1978 esther and jane went to bed so they shared a bedroom and jane felt something move inside of her mattress yeah so she freaked out and thinking it was like a mouse or something and leaped out of bed so the girls checked the mattress the bed the room and like there was like no mouse there was no weird animal there um so they thought like jane was just imagining it and like laying and they both laid back in bed 
The same night, they both heard noises coming from under the bed. They checked under the bed and found a cardboard box and assumed whatever was in the box was making the noise. So they pulled the box out into the middle of their bedroom. And when they did that, the box actually jumped a foot into the air and landed on its side. The only thing in the box was material for like patchwork and stuff. So nothing that would make it jump or like... Oh, that's so weird. So weird. (laughs) So they screamed and... I, I sometimes I call him Dan, so like Daniel or Dan came in and just like LOL'd and was like, "You're probably <laughs> just LOL'd. <laughs> just LOL'd. You're probably just like dreaming, go back to sleep, sort of thing." Walked in the room in the 1800s and went LOL. LOL. <laughs> like- <laughs> Isn't that how they talk back then? Because I feel like it would be. <laughs> I would, it's oh literally written, written. Do you in remember though when we were in high school and we legitimately talked like that? Mm-hmm. We'd be like, Lol'd. I still fucking talk like that. I literally wrote it in my script. True. <laughs> I haven't matured past like 16 years old. <laughs> yeah, we peaked. <laughs> That's yeah. what I'm saying. Um, so the following day, <laughs> Esther woke up with like a fever and she was just having a pretty bad sick day all around. So that evening when she went to bed, she went to bed like pretty early. Um, Jane ended up going to bed at like her normal time. And in the middle of the night, Jane was woken by Esther screaming. And I quote, wake up, Jane, I'm dying. Oh, God. Yeah. So Jane woke up and took her little like nightlight lamp post thing about bob because they have like candles they don't have a little oil lamp yeah (laughs) see i'm so glad i didn't live in the 1800s because like i flail so like that i would have like i would have burned down my fucking house so fast just fucking throwing fire everywhere yeah like it would have been terrible i would have been the worst person to live in the 1800s i mean that being said you like make grilled cheese and almost burn your house down so i mean i just i just feel like you you shouldn't do things i just shouldn't (laughs) I should not. <laughs> this is why I didn't take up cooking during like um, quarantine. Lockdown. Everyone's baking. Did you? I was like, I'm not fucking with that. No. Like- <laughs> I know my limits, and I'm not reaching past them. So, oh my god. Um. So she took her little lamp and noticed Esther's face was bloodshot red. Jane screamed for Dan and Olive, and Olive helped Esther back into bed. But as she did that, Esther kept saying, and I quote, I'm swelling up and shall certainly burst. I know I shall. They talk so weird back then. (laughs) (laughs) Then Esther's hands and feet started swelling at an alarming rate. Her bloodshot face was actually now pale and but you could still like feel her fever. Yeah. Um, So Esther was in a lot of pain from the swelling. But then what they thought was like thunder entered the room and it was like a huge bang followed by three loud cracks which came from under the bed then all of a sudden esther went limp and the swelling went down and she fell asleep i think i know where this is going weird right like what yeah Uh um so the family had no idea what the fuck was going on but assumed it was like a nightmare or whatever i don't know what kind of nightmare you're having where your feet swell but this is what they thought maybe maybe she's lactose intolerant and ate some dairy because that's like fairly close to what happens to me i just swell (laughs) really oh my god i bloat so bad it just reminds me of the girl from like charlie and the chocolate factory that's what i keep oh my god the blue (laughs) yeah i feel like we've made that reference so many times we have i think we have Uh, it's the only blowing up reference we have so it's solved i don't even have to go continue she's lactose the story's done (laughs) she just had milk you guys it's fine (laughs) yeah um so they didn't know what it was but they figured she's no longer dying so they put her back to like just left her and they went oh back to bed yeah so the next morning esther didn't have an appetite but seemed like reasonably well all things considered um she never mentioned the night before so the family members didn't bring it up either 
<laughs> no one was like how are you feeling today no they <laughs> thought she just had a nightmare that's why she didn't remember oh my god yeah it's so weird <laughs> um so four nights later or something um like later on something else had actually happened so when jane and esther were asleep in their beds um their bed sheets actually flew off and landed in the corner of their room so jane was actually awake to see this happen and ended up fainting in her bed from the site and same yeah <laughs> um esther screamed and the family came running in olive put the sheets back on the bed just to watch them fly right back off into the same <laughs> corner of the room um so john who is daniel's brother was hit by a pillow from esther's bed um and then there was loud noises coming again from underneath esther's bed and esther was starting to swell again um so john had dipped from the room after being hit by a pillow so (laughs) he was just like i can't take this fluffiness so bye um so the rest of the family sat on esther's bed and started yelling and ordering whatever was in the room to stop doing this the noises ended up subsiding and Esther's swelling stopped and she fell back asleep. So the next day, the doctor was called. There was a doctor that was called. And when the family explained what happened, I fucking did it again. He just LOL'd. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Why am I Danielle's like an English major. <laughs> yeah, clearly. Um, so literally, as I wrote, family explained what happened and he just LOL'd and said it's impossible. <laughs> but agreed to come back. Um that night to see for himself he arrived at 10 p.m esther had already gone to bed by that time and the doctor examined her and stated that she must have suffered some type of shock um as he was saying this esther's pillow had partially slid out from under her head and then back and oh. then yeah so the doctor apparently witnessed this whole thing and was like what the hell it happened once more and i'm sure john was terrified enough that he didn't want to get slapped in the face with a pillow again so he did. <laughs> um but probably then, lol'd before he did yeah, lol bye <laughs> can you imagine being so scared you're hit by a pillow you don't go in the room like it's a pillow like you're fine <laughs> i only would because of whatever's throwing the pillow that's why i would run yeah that's fair but like yeah. also like out of all the things in this house i would a like pillow. to be hit by a pillow <laughs> that's true because then you could like stand there and take it long enough to figure out what is throwing it right yeah it's not like it hurts and then if something else gets thrown at you you just hold the pillow up and look protected <laughs> danielle's got this whole thing planned yeah i got it <laughs> then there were like le- the loud knocks again or noises from beneath her bed so they were unable to find the sound and as the doctor walked around the room to find like the source um it seemed to be following wherever he went so like if he walked a bit the knocking would like be under his feet sort of thing oh gross yeah so where he stepped it knocked then the bed sheets flew off again into the same corner as before then there was loud scratching sounds coming from the wall behind esther's bed mm-hmm. when everyone turned towards the noise they saw and i quote esther cox you're a mind to kill written on the wall oh god yeah so these incidents kept happening for about three weeks and they grew more intense as those weeks went on esther was hit with objects that were um uh thrown at her from whatever this said source is that is apparently trying to kill her um so some of these objects were like wood planks to like potatoes i would (laughs) like to know why you're keeping potatoes in your bedroom need a midnight snack <laughs> like, i don't know <laughs> 1800s man what a time to be alive I, uh, um i literally the next sentence i wrote i was like i would like to know where that what where this demonic presence is finding potatoes in their yeah. bedroom. <laughs> just keep a bushel of potatoes yeah. at their bedside totally normal you get hungry you might need one yeah. <laughs> 
So a lot of family was witnessing these noises and attacks as well. Like a lot of times when it happened, they were all in the room. Um, the doctor ended up prescribing Esther morphine to help calm her down. Um, and all this seemed to happen because when Esther went to bed. So she would like sleep, wake up swollen and be terrified. Noises would be heard. She would be hit by things. People would be hit by things. She would then fall asleep and it would stop. So it was like a constant like cycle almost. Um, at one point, I believe there was like... Um, uh, I believe the doctor like went outside during one of the incidences and incidences that sense. <laughs> <laughs> and said the noises sounded like they were coming from the roof when you're outside, like someone was hitting the shingles with a hammer or something. So it's very, they never really determined where the noises were coming from. Sometimes it was under the bed. Sometimes it was falling around the room. It moved. It moved. Ugh. Um, so one night during one of these, um, incidences uh esther ended up having a seizure and during this attack she ended up confessing what had transpired between her and bob i don't know how you did that because seizures you cannot speak but apparently that happened um when she awoke from the seizure she had no recollection of this and when her family asked her about what um she she had like admitted to it but said she didn't remember telling them so she admitted to it while having this apparent seizure but didn't up, remember doing it didn't remember telling them but now they're aware so they asked and she admitted to it um but these incidents like kept happening like almost every single yeah. night there was ha- shit happening one night during one of the knocks jane realized it might be a way to communicate with whatever was making these noises so daniel tested this theory and asked for whatever was making the noises to w- knock once um for every person that was in the room at that time oh no yeah, so the entity, I'm going to call it an entity because at this point that's what it is. Yeah. Um, knocked the correct amount of knocks for how many people were in the room. They were like so loud, it actually shook the house. I would fucking leave so yeah. fast. <laughs> <laughs> so the family ended up coming up with a system. Knock once for no, three for yes, and two knocks for um, like not sure or like a maybe. Um, so now this one, like into October, so this was happening a lot yeah and where people like by the time it got to october people around town started picking up on the story hearing like rumblings in the town a baptist minister had visited the family to see for himself what was happening he said that no one not esther not the family were responsible for what was happening in the home but he said he thought the shock from the incident with bob turned esther into what he called an electric battery he thought (laughs) yeah she's actually a car she's the first car who knew um he thought that esther was some sort of like energy source but was subconsciously causing this all to happen not that she's like bringing in dark energy from what happened or it was just like or like her like you know what so i mean so not a demon she's just like projecting yeah projecting all this energy Whoa, to make it happen i was definitely thinking demon the whole time yeah so that's what that's what his theory is um but basically from what we've reached to now it's a poltergeist they have a poltergeist on their hand um so by the end of october a lot of people were going to the home to witness it for themselves many people believed it to be a hoax and esther was just like hypnotizing people to make them hear and see things flying around and like that was more believable apparently (laughs) (laughs) another preacher visited the home and witnessed a bucket of cold water that was on the kitchen table start to bubble and boil just like randomly like on the kitchen table i don't know how that would happen yeah but no then thanks. people also believe that this was happening in the home was actually genuine and they had some type of demonic poltergeist on their hands. Yeah. Um, the incidents merged into December until something weird happened. Esther contracted diphtheria. 
which is the like your throat swells like you get that like gross patchy stuff on your throat it's almost white and you get like a fever and like chills and it's like it's a really 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 bad throat infection yeah um this made her hella sick for about two weeks and during these two weeks no incidences no throwing of blankets no noises oh yeah so now is this because she didn't have the energy to to project project or is it because maybe she obviously had trauma happen so she has energy so maybe it wasn't enough energy for this poltergeist to latch onto her oh so i was kind of thinking that like if um i'm still saying demon i know you're saying poltergeist but my thought was like demon and or poltergeist wouldn't want anything to do with her in that state because she's weak you know what i yeah. mean like they'd be like ew i don't want to go near that like yeah. they'd find another host oh my god my power just went out I'm going to guess this from the windstorm, though, because uh, they were losing uh, power lines downtown Toronto. Yeah. Okay, let's do this. My power just went out, so this is going to be fun, and I'm keeping this <laughs> In case this sounds funny, uh, it's because fuck our lives. <laughs> yeah, so apparently Ontario is going through a huge windstorm right now, and my power went out, so let's hope our yeah. batteries like last, and Holly just we got doesn't this. lose power. If my power goes out, I'm going to literally scream because I'm in the basement, and there's no windows. So. <laughs> You're going <laughs> to... You're going to shit yourself. Let's um, go. We got this. Okay. So um, once she got better from her her diphtheria, I can't fucking pronounce it. Once she got better. It sounds right it. to me. Right? <laughs> um, so she went to visit one of her other sisters in Sackville, New Brunswick. Um, the incidences also happened or didn't happen during her um, two-week visit with her sister. Um, so not to her, not to the family home. It just never happened. Um, so, But when Re- Esther returned home, her and Jane's bedroom was moved into a different room, hoping this would be like... like the polar solution. opposite. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. So they, they didn't want to... They want to see if like they could fix it. Um, in addition to the noises and objects being thrown... Um, it just made it like 10 times worse so moving them into a new room was just like hell no um there was now lit matches being dropped from the ceiling oh great (laughs) yeah apparently all members of the family had witnessed this including esther and jane apparently one night one of esther's dresses which was hanging on the door was pulled under her bed and then randomly burst into flames oh god right maybe they maybe the demon just didn't like that type of flower on the dress i don't know (laughs) Oh, my power came back. Oh, I heard beeping. <laughs> yeah. Guys, I have power. Okay, so now this incident happened during the day, but Esther and Jane were home alone, and they were apparently, like, making butter as one does. Um, <laughs> when, when a fire... Have you ever made butter? Like, I went to I like, have. Pioneer Village and made butter. It was great. Yeah, I have. <laughs> I think every kid in, in our region did that. If yeah. you know, you know. <laughs> if you know, you know. Um, but a fire started in their home cellar so the fire was so like big for them that they weren't able to douse it out themselves so they called for help um they had no phone so they like literally ran into the street and called for help (laughs) a stranger heard the cries i shouldn't laugh at that (laughs) yeah (laughs) um the guy smothered the fire with a mat and then just like left walking up the street and he was never seen from again oh it's so weird um so now that they were like they literally weren't safe from being like burnt to a crisp esper wasn't esper fuck me (laughs) (laughs) esther was now able to hear this entity so it talked to her but only she could hear it apparently one night the family was in the parlor room and esther freaked out and started screaming and i quote 
look there can you see it my god the ghost do you all see him no one else yeah no one else in the family saw what she was seeing but it also did start talking to esther telling her it would burn the family home down unless she left oh Uh, yeah esther told them what she had said um or sorry esther had told them what was said to her and daniel was like what the fuck fuck that and shipped esther to the neighbor's home um obviously the neighbors agreed to have her at her place for the night but it's just like funny that like daniel's like fuck this (laughs) bye like see ya i don't want to lose my home yeah um so esther ended up staying with the neighbors for way more than a night and ended up just like kind of like living there there was no incidents that happened for several weeks until she was cleaning the floor and the brush that she was using just disappeared she asked the lady of the home if she would help like be able to help find it so her esther and the lady's daughter searched for it but not for long because it ended up falling from the ceiling and smoking esther in the head um but other than that yeah can you imagine <laughs> you always say things so like nicely too <laughs> yeah. um but uh other than like that incident there was nothing really happening for about six weeks so six weeks of pure bliss and quiet until random little fires started happening around the neighbor's home so now the husband of the home i didn't get the names i'm trash um but he <laughs> But he wasn't willing to let his family home burn down, so he told Esther she could stay in the pub um, in town, which he owned. I would want to live in a pub. That would be awesome. Absolutely. That sounds like a great arrangement. Right? So, but whatever was still happening to her just followed Esther to the pub. So during one of these incidences, a pocket knife ended up being stabbed into Esther's back oh yeah this knife was owned by the pub owner's son and it wasn't like a life-threatening like stab wound but it still fucking sucked i bet (laughs) yeah it did but it was removed from her back and when it was removed ended up flying in the air and hitting esther in the back again in the same spot and there's witnesses to that incident yeah what did she do to deserve this i have no idea um so after this incident a military officer heard about what was happening and um like with esther and her family and he invited her to saint john in new brunswick in the spring of 1879 so this all started in the summer of 1878 so it's been going on for quite some time wait what where are we now what year are we now we're in the spring of 1879 so almost a year um, so she stayed there for three weeks while a group of men had apparently like created a way to communicate with this entity that was harassing her and her family. Their approach was to ask the entity a question and then recite the alphabet and wait for the knock to the corresponding letter, um, which would take forever. Like, yeah, <laughs> you're like, what's your name? A, B, C, D, E. And then you get a knock and like, OK, what's the oh. second letter of your name? A, B, C, D, like they should just ask for like morse code or something yeah i'm sure it, i'm sure it knew morse code like i would, t- it would take me like an hour to spell out my name it'd be so annoying <laughs> um so but they tried it and during this they ended up coming up with a few names um in like their questioning so apparently this entity or poltergeist or demon is named thing. bob yeah thing is named bob nickel so not bob nickneal the one that assaulted her, Bob Nickel. Which and, is strangely close. Yeah. So, and he apparently was a shoemaker. 
They also received two other names. One was named Maggie Fisher and Peter Cox. So Peter Cox um, died about 40 years prior, but was a relative to Esther. Interesting. Yeah. They also um, received names of Mary Fisher, who was related to the Maggie Fisher, Jane Nichol, and then Eliza McNeil, which is weird. Whoa. Yeah. So now nothing really came from these names other than that. Just that. Just like names. But like, and the fact that some of them were like proven to be people is f- fucking terrifying. Yeah, to me. <laughs> they were people. But I think like, if she is like faking it and somehow has managed to do all this, the fact that like the person that's doing this is named Bob Nickel is, yeah, qu- kind of coincidency. Yeah, but it's weird. So Esther stayed there for about eight weeks and then returned home. An American actor named Walter Hubble also heard about the stories and again like the others wanted to document some of the incidences and occurrences that were happening the family let him stay in their home um i don't know why the family keeps doing this yeah (laughs) like people are like so nice back then like yeah come to stay with us no problem i'm like i don't even answer my door when the doorbell rings (laughs) you have a camera so that you could see when people are there so that you know not to answer your door We've been meaning to, like, get new blinds for our front of our door because it's just, like, the mesh material. So, like, yeah. if you come up to my house and ring the doorbell and someone's standing in the hallway, you could see them. You can see it. So, like, someone will ring the doorbell and I'll be standing there staring at them and I'll answer <laughs> it. So, man. <laughs> I don't know why people do that. So, now, a lot of the findings and, like, history of this family and, like, what Esther was happening was because of Walter and his, like, written documentation on what happened. He ends up writing a book. Um, so now he stayed with the family for about six weeks and saw all of the, the occurrences and that I've explained previously, like hit with potatoes, items go missing, <laughs> stuff dropped from the ceiling, fires, you name it, he saw it. Yeah. Um, Walter was convinced that it was indeed a poltergeist and not the family nor Esther making this out to be a, like a showboat type thing. Yeah. Um, Walter ended up having a conversation with the poltergeist using like the Teeds version of communication. So the like knock once for no three times for yes and two for like maybe yeah um, so there's like um one part of his book that this is all like part of his book so um and i quote walter asked have you all lived on earth he got a reply of three knocks so yes he then asked have you seen god answered no are you in heaven no are you in hell uh. yes have you seen the devil yes god that's terrifying right so the communication was kept up in the coming weeks um where the entity or entities um correctly guessed things in like family members pockets like if they had coins in their pockets they'd be like how many coins have my pocket and they'd be like four um on june 28th or maybe how many potatoes you never know (laughs) (laughs) on june i just came to my head i had to say it on june 28th 1870 uh, nine the house was blasted with sound of what they thought was a trumpet and it continued off and on throughout the day that's so be, annoying i was like <laughs> that's so annoying um and then that and then eventually that evening a small trumpet fell from the ceiling in the bedroom walter was still staying with the family but no one knew where this like the fuck this trumpet came from yeah. or whose it was um they didn't own one so they were like no idea whose this is 
but they like the the happenings like like the incidences never stopped they continued with small fires things being thrown and nothing was helping and anything they did nothing um in the middle of the summer the family just had enough and decided it was time for esther to leave which i believe she like agreed <laughs> upon her out. yeah they were just like <laughs> get the fuck out but i think she like agreed upon it as well yeah um she ended up going with walter on like a speaking tour of her story which she did get paid for um because he did write that book which was made like even more huge because of like walter writing this book but a lot of the people called esther a fraud yeah um the book ended up being published in 1879 so that's again what that speaking tour was for um after this tour she went to live with a family friend arthur davis while living there their barn mysteriously burnt down and esther was actually accused of arson she was sentenced to four months in prison. She got out after one oh, month. Oh, wow. Yeah, she got after, out after one month due to good behavior. But she ended up meeting some man who ended up visiting her while she was in prison. After she got out, they got together, ended up getting married. And that was the end of the poltergeist. She Really? Yep. She never had any other incidences. The family didn't have any more incidences. As soon as she got married and started living her own life nothing that's so weird yeah the great amherst mystery so she ended up having one son and with this guy and then they got divorced and then she married again again and had another son and then she moved to massachusetts fuck me (laughs) and died on november 8th 1912 at 52 years old wow so theory one if she was projecting obviously if she was happy with this man she would have stopped projecting right yeah theory two is this poltergeist slash demon thing maybe needed her to be in that state of like trauma to be like like, yeah yeah and then now that she was like happy and stuff it was just like fuck this sucks and it left onto the next one yeah that was wild and i've never heard of that one what like a like a like it's like a goose chase yeah insane and to this day they still have no idea what it was what i also gotta know? commend her for like i how do i say this sensitively um surviving that yeah <laughs> because like i wouldn't have like i would have offed myself like that yeah. sounds awful it sounds like torment even like the family like they had their kids were five and one years old and yeah. they had potatoes being thrown at them <laughs> these fucking potatoes get lost <laughs> never letting it wow, die that was a good one that was fun but yeah i think it, i think it was definitely a poltergeist and like she it just latched onto her i i might be demonic in some sense but yeah. i think this poltergeist was just so unraveled in her her energy from being having like that trauma state but then it once, just loved it it just it fed just, off of it yeah. yeah and it wasn't necessarily trying to kill anybody but it was just having its fun and then once she somewhat got over this trauma and learned to have a happy life, it kind of just dipped. I was like, shit, th- this isn't this isn't right. That's wild, though. I like that one. You yeah. picked a good one. Thank you. I felt like I was watching a horror movie for a little bit. Like, I felt, like, legitimately suspenseful <laughs> throughout good. some of that. <laughs> You're like, I'm going to have nightmares now. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, Danielle. Um, so that takes us into uh, murder, I guess. Um, so today's case is another one of those cases that, uh, it's, was solved like decades after the fact, which we all know is like my new favorite thing ever. Um, so today I'm going to talk about the, the disappearance of 12 year old Jonelle Matthews. 
Uh, Jonelle Matthews was born in Santa Barbara, California on February 9th, 1972. She was originally named Jonelle Vieira on her birth certificate, but her birth mother, Terry, was only 13 years old at the time. Holy crap. So, yeah. So she uh, she was lovingly put up for adoption. It was like a very like peaceful, amicable thing. Mm-hmm. Um, she was adopted by Jim and Gloria Matthews, who were a married couple. Uh, they had another daughter named jennifer i didn't write the name up here but i say it again later so if it's not jennifer just forget that Um, (laughs) uh they lived in greeley colorado and they had a pretty quiet normal life everybody was happy it was wonderful um and then yeah it wasn't on the night of december 20th 1984 janelle was singing at uh with her school choir at a christmas concert that took place at a local bank uh, her father, Jim, was at her sister- sister's basketball game, and her mother, Gloria, was in California on a solo vacation, which I love. Like, five days before Christmas, she's like, fuck it. I'm going to California. Yeah. She's like, like fuck what this a queen. family. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Me. Um, Janelle's friend, Deanne, and her father dropped her off at home at around 8.15 p.m. after the concert. Uh, she was supposed to be only home for, like, an hour-ish until her dad came home. Uh, however, when Jim arrived at... Uh, approximately 9 30 janelle was nowhere to be found a friend of the family confirmed that he had called janelle at around 8 30 to make sure she made it home and uh, he told her her father would be home shortly that was the last time janelle was heard from interesting jim noticed that the tv was still on and there was like a space heater that was left on in the room as well uh there was a blanket on the couch with a pillow that was like propped up beside the blanket uh jim noted that this was like janelle's favorite tv watching setup apparently she always had this blanket the pillow and the space heater on when she watched tv she was cozy yeah Yeah. (laughs) um me all day today to be honest um he thought it was strange that she would just up and leave the house without turning off the tv or the heater but he kind of just came to the conclusion that she must have run next door to talk to the neighbors because they were like a close-knit community um so he went upstairs you would never think that now i would like yeah it'd be more of like a freak out because of like why my why is my kid talking to my neighbor (laughs) exactly it's completely different now like it's a little bit sad like my mom's neighborhood is still pretty friendly and like people still talk and all that stuff but it's like you don't trust anybody now yeah like my parents neighbors are like amazing and like yeah they have like the best little community there and everyone's like friends with my parents but like if my parents don't answer my 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 first thing isn't like they're probably other neighbors like no yeah i don't know but then again my sister used to go around to our neighbors and tell people that she was hungry and my mom didn't feed her just so she could get (laughs) extra food (laughs) one time she she went to three houses by the time my my mom was like finally figured out where the fuck she was oh no she ended up being across the street and when my mom got her she's like what the hell she's like well i was just wanted extra food so she went to like three houses and my mom didn't notice her mom was oh my god like little brat she's lucky someone didn't call fucking children's (laughs) aid (laughs) all because my sister was hungry like i'm dead ass serious she just likes food i can confirm she's still like that to this day yeah (laughs) so oh my god that's hilarious i've never heard that story so maybe Um, emma would be the one that goes missing you never know 
I feel yeah, like she would. Jesus. <laughs> that took a turn. Um, so yeah, he, uh, he just shrugged it off. He was like, oh, she's just next door. So he went upstairs to finish wrapping his Christmas gifts. Uh, and he was just, you know, he just told himself that she'd be home soon kind of thing, which again, would not be my reaction. No. Uh, Jennifer, who is Jonelle's sister, see, I was right, arrived home at 10 p.m. She had gone to the neighbors after her basketball game to hang out. So Jim asked Jennifer why Jonelle wasn't with her when she came home, to which Jennifer had replied she hadn't seen Jonelle all night. Jim called his pastor and then called the police. I would have done it maybe the opposite way, but sure. I was like, why did he call the pastor? Okay. Apparently he called for like advice and the pastor was like, um, I don't know, call the police. Like, yeah. Like what kind of advice do you need? Call the um, cops. Yeah. So at midnight, Gloria Matthews called her husband to let him know that she had landed safely in California. Jim told her that Janelle had been missing since 830 PM and Gloria purchased tickets for the first flight back home to Colorado the next morning. The initial lead in the investigation for no real reason whatsoever was Jonelle's birth mother, Terry. Uh, no one had even told her that Janelle was missing, but police had placed her under surveillance anyways. Um, so we're fast forwarding a little bit. I am going to go back, but just let me have this. So fast forward 10 years, the police had cleared Terry at this point after their surveillance led nowhere. Um, the Matthews received a letter in the mail from Terry asking if she would be able to visit their daughter for the first time because she was finally ready to go meet the daughter that she gave birth to because she had absolutely no idea she had no idea uh she had never contacted them before um and she just said that she was finally ready and would love to meet her um so at this time uh jonelle had been declared legally dead with no trace of her whereabouts so she hadn't been found but she was declared dead because that's just what they do mm-hmm. um so the matthews shared the news with terry at the time and they actually all went on to become friends because of this tragedy which i thought was kind of not cute but i hate that i always say cute i don't know why that's the first use word i use but like <laughs> it's just nice i guess yeah so um like they yeah thank you wholesome (laughs) so during this uh the 10 year span between the disappearance and the official death ruling there were a slew of clues and theories surrounding the disappearance um i'm gonna list some of these now and i used uh an advanced reporting article by Fisher Fitzrandolph for this section because he covered some theories that I didn't even find in any like official sources. Um, and he did a really great job. Like he had article clippings from the eighties and stuff. So yeah, that's where I got this from. On, on May 28th, 1985, just five months after Jonelle's disappearance, um, I guess graphic warning here, a piece of human scalp was found on a farm in Southwest Greeley, um, which was very close to where the Matthews family was living. Attached to the fragment of scalp was long brown hair, very similar in color to Jonelle's. Uh, Weld County Sheriff Harold Andrews waited two months before notifying the Greeley Police Department. Two months. Two months. He said that this took so long because he wanted to ensure that the hair was human before, quote, alarming anybody which i guess is fair maybe i don't know um i mean if you go hey i found this piece of scalp with hair on it we don't know if it's human but wanted to let you know that we have it and we're testing it to see if it's human or not yeah like i feel like that's you know professional but yeah because then no one (laughs) here we are (laughs) so uh after an investigation by the Greeley police, the scalp was sent to be tested uh, at the FBI's lab in Washington. The results came back as inconclusive. So th- from the time that they found the scalp to the time that they got the results back was like six to nine months or something like that. 
Um, once the scalp was returned to Greeley, Colorado, Jonelle's mother was able to examine the evidence herself. Uh, Gloria came to the conclusion that this was not her daughter's hair or scalp because Janelle's hair was slightly more red, according to her. Uh, she very well could have been right, but it's important to note here that time and environment could have altered the color of the hair. Yeah. Um, but she did give an interview with the local paper and said, quote, I am not saying that the hair is not Jonelle's, but I'm saying that I'm 99% sure it is not Jonelle's. And sometimes moms, well, yeah, no, I'll say it anyway. Sometimes moms have that, like, instinct, right? Like, you, I feel like you, you would know. know if that was, yeah. Yeah. Um, so the next major lead came in 1990 when a young woman was hit by a car and killed in Huntington Beach, California. This woman cannot be identified and was considered a Jane Doe. This Jane Doe had a striking resemblance to Janelle, and more so than just physically. So this Jane Doe was new to the area and told witnesses that her name was Andrea and that she was there looking for her birth parents. Um, so there was like a bunch of people that had seen this this Jane Doe and she like told them her story and all of this. So Janelle was one month old when she was adopted by the Matthews and the adoption took place in California. According okay. to an article from the Denver Post, shortly before Jonelle had disappeared, she told some of her friends that she was interested in meeting her birth mother. So I guess in she terms- was like aware that she was adopted? Yeah, so she okay. uh, she found out. I don't know if she had just found out, um, but she had allegedly told a couple friends that she wanted to find her birth mother. And the parallel here is that the Jane Doe was also looking for her birth parents. Okay. Um, so in terms of physical similarities, Jane Doe had worn braces at some point in her lifetime and Janelle was wearing braces when she had disappeared. Both Jane Doe and Janelle had pierced ears. Jane Doe was reported to have a possible scarring on her chin and Janelle was known to have a scar on her chin. Both the Jane Doe and Janelle had brown hair and brown eyes. Jane Doe was estimated to be 19 years old when she died, and Janelle was abducted in 1984 at 12 years old, meaning she would have been 18 to 19 in 1990 when Jane Doe was killed. Hmm. So it looked like everything kind of added up. So the the one theory here is that Janelle ran away from home to seek out her birth mother, while another states that she was in fact abducted, driven to California, and just decided to seek out her birth mother and never return home after that. Like, she took it as a window of opportunity. Um, What about DNA? uh, Yeah, so uh, while they did have some similarities, it was later confirmed that she was not Janelle. Okay. Um, I was like, we're missing a key part of this. Yeah. (laughs) I was getting so hyped. It wasn't her. Yeah. it was like a really big lead though because the similarities were like so eerie at the time and like what Um, are the chances like yeah exactly so the the latest big break in terms of evidence came in december 2018 when the greeley police department released a video of the choir concert that janelle sang at in the night of her disappearance um so this this police department in 2018 were like in the process of reopening the case because it had gone cold um there were small clues in this video that they wanted to make public in hopes of bringing attention to the cold case um at 33 seconds into the video janelle makes like a strange face towards someone or something in the audience um i watched the video and it's hard to say what she's reacting to it's almost like she's rolling her eyes or like she's annoyed at something like she makes like a 
kind of face. Yeah. Um, so this caught the investigators' attention because none of the Matthews were at the Christmas concert that night. So they believe that Jonelle may have seen the suspect in the audience and was acknowledging their presence. Um, hmm. It's a bit of a reach. She yeah. could have just been, like, fucking with someone in the audience. Like, you don't really know. Um, I mean, I, invest- I, I roll my eyes at, like, every single person. So. Literally. Like, someone breathes the wrong way and my eyes are in the back of my head. Yeah. <laughs> just picking my eyeballs off of the floor. Just yeah. Drop them. <laughs> Um, so investigators noted that the video seems to focus on Janelle just a little bit too much. Um, so the camera is focused on the group of students that she's singing with, but she's almost in every frame. And so there was like, it's a large group of kids and they're like on a, a, a staircase mm-hmm. kind of, and it's like sloping down and they're all lined up on the staircase. So at any point they're cutting out people to make sure Janelle is in the, sc- the screen so frame. Who's, Thank who's- you. Who's they video don't know recording that they don't know i don't they don't know who sent the video they don't know how the video was found they don't know who who filmed it so that's what they want to know by releasing it how'd they um, get it i didn't look into that i don't know if it was sent anonymously um but they just didn't know who who filmed it um but that's why they released it they were trying to find out who was behind the camera to see yeah if they knew something or i'm gonna i don't know i I gotta look into that i'm guessing it was turned in anonymously or something or someone was like hey someone gave me a copy of this i don't know yeah Um, or maybe like they like the people in the choir like their families could purchase that video as like a oh right yeah they did that yeah yeah oh god my mom has like a cd somewhere of my oh god um (laughs) (laughs) ptsd a little bit um (laughs) So the <laughs> this newest investigation actually came to an abrupt end on July 23rd, 2019, when remains were found in a field southeast of Greeley. They had finally found Jonelle almost 35 years after she had gone missing. Holy crap. Autopsy would, re- would reveal that she was killed by a single gunshot wound to the head. Um, the Matthews family had left Colorado many years ago at this point. Uh, Jim and Gloria retired and moved to Costa Rica while Jennifer had moved oh. to Washington state. Literally. Yeah. Um, so upon hearing the news of Pam, uh, the family, Oh my God. Upon hearing the news, the family put out a statement through Jennifer saying, quote, I'm grateful for this closure after 34 years. It does bring up some old wounds and some questions maybe of what happened, but we've received so much love and support already. Um, so those questions were answered sooner than anyone really expected when Stephen D. Pankey was arrested and charged with kidnapping and murder in October of 2019. Stephen, who was 69 at the time of his arrest, had lived in Greeley, uh, throughout the seventies and eighties and worked at the local Chevy dealership there. In 1980, he moved to Weld County, which is approximately 47.5 fucking hell, 47.5 miles north of where Janelle was found. Um, and it's they noted that because it's like a straight line north, oh, like, like straight north. Um, it makes it obvious I, without making it obvious. Yeah, like once they sort of found him, it was just like bang bang boom makes sense yeah um in 1984 he moved just two miles away from where the matthews lived uh he actually had run for governor of idaho twice and was heavily involved in politics in his later years um at the time of janelle's disappearance stephen pankey was 33 years old married and the father of a young son so it's alleged that stephen was a pedophile 
and would watch the children in the neighborhood walking to and from the school every day. It's also alleged that Stephen would insert himself into the investigation quite a bit in the early days, which is usually a pretty big clue for investigators. Yeah. Uh, So he would, uh, like, gossip about the case a lot, uh, and he often shared details that hadn't been made public. So, for example, he was once heard telling someone that the killer had hidden their footprints in the snow using a rake found at the scene, only investigators knew that piece of information at the time. Why wouldn't so they be like, yo? They like kind of had, he was noted as like a person of interest in the case, but they didn't have anything solid enough to like, like get any warrants out or anything like that. They just were like, oh, this guy's creepy. Like they yeah. were just watching just him kind assumption. of. But they, he was never really a big player until the body was found, I guess. Um, so according to the indictment, Stephen was waiting in the Matthews home with a gun and waited for Jonelle to get home. He heard the phone ring when uh, her dad's friend called. So he let her finish the conversation with her dad's friend. Then he sprang and kidnapped her. It's unknown when or why he killed her, just that he did at some point during the kidnapping. It's also believed that Jonelle was sexually assaulted. Um in the weeks after the disappearance, Stephen's wife noted that he started acting strangely. He would ask her to read every news article about the case out loud to him, for starters, which was, like, you know, not a big red flag to anybody. Yeah, no, not um, at all. That's so fucking weird. He took her on an unexpected trip the day after Jonelle's disappearance and then told her to lie and say they had planned it for months if anyone asked. Uh, the family car was found ablaze one night in their backyard and an arson suspect was never found. Uh, so that makes me think that the car was used in the kidnapping or she was possibly assaulted or killed. Like there was DNA in the car. Yeah. Um, during a church service in 1984, the minister led a prayer for Janelle's safe return. Stephen laughed and whispered to his wife saying, quote, false prophet. What a what? sick fuck. And this wife. What? This wife. Like, what are you doing with your life where you, like, all of this, I would immediately be like, yeah, I would immediately know. (laughs) Like, like, she must be really dumb. And I'm not even going to feel bad about that because, like. Yeah, that's awful. Um, So the last sort of uh, red flag in this scenario came in 2008. Uh, In a weird twist of fate, Stephen's son was murdered. Um, it's alleged that Stephen cried out at the funeral saying, quote, I hope God didn't allow this to happen because of Jonelle Matthews. Oh, my God. So he was arrested on October 12th, 2019, and was last put in front of the judge on October 30th, 2020, where the judge announced he would be held without bond throughout the trial. Uh, I would love to have an update on this one soon. Uh, I tried to look up any future court dates, and there really isn't any, especially Mm -hmm. with COVID. It's all pushed back. But um, one thing I really liked is they made him show up to court for it so the matthews family actually watched via webcam the court proceedings but uh he i guess asked to to do the proceedings from the jail cell with a webcam and they're like no you're coming to court yeah you You don't get it they dragged his ass in so case is has he admitted to it like has he pled guilty still uh he hasn't put out a statement of any kind as far as i know i was trying to find news articles from like 2020 2021 but the the only one we have so far is that he's being held without bond um but i mean he did it yeah no yeah i feel like his wife should be like held accountable a little bit too yeah like just can you like can you like, like negligent just being like, dumb like, <laughs> do you know what just for you yeah we're gonna do it yeah you're dumb this is what you get 
So the case is is technically not closed yet because he hasn't uh, faced the judge fully yet. Yeah. But, you know, I'm pretty confident that this is going to go the way we all think. And I would love to bring a part two as soon as I can get one. So this will be a two-parter when I hear more details from the court proceedings. That's crazy. And, like, we love those those ones that actually ended up getting solved. Yeah. All because, I love that. because of her body. How, who found her body? Um, I believe... It was just like one of those, like it was stumbled upon. Like just a I random... don't think they were looking into the farm at okay. all. Or, it, oh God, I read it and I didn't write it down because I wanted to talk about like all of the weird things he did instead. Um, I'll get back to you in part two. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I really liked that one because I like that they, uh, the family got peace and that was something they talked about too. They're like, well, obviously we're not happy that her body was found, but like at least we know she's not out there like lost you know like yeah and it's kind of like wholesome to know that like the adoptive parents and like the biological mom are like yeah they they were friends that was kind of really nice yeah Yeah. i don't know why they they thought she was a suspect like it was the weirdest it was just like well you know she gave her up for adoption so obviously she wanted her back like that's not how it works you guys (laughs) like (laughs) i guess like in that sense like some people are actually just like like yeah it definitely happens it definitely happens so maybe that's the reason why yeah like i feel like you can rule that out pretty quickly yeah i just thought it was weird because she gave no indication it wasn't like she was like stalking them and like calling like she didn't write to them until 10 years after janelle had died because she just didn't know yeah you know so i felt bad for her and especially like with that kind of stuff like for her to get the information on who the adoptive parents were, she would have to, like, inquire about it. So, like... Yeah, she went through an agency. Yeah, so they they would automatically know if she was already doing that. Yeah, exactly. she wasn't. Yeah, she was working with a social worker, uh, and that's how she found the contact information. Yeah. And, yeah, it it just kind of... And, like that that part really bothered me that she was like all right i'm finally ready like i would want to i want to meet my daughter that i gave birth to and then they're like "Ooh, about that yeah sorry just a really shitty case yeah but in those those cases like they don't not that they don't have any obligation i just don't think they are allowed to say anything i don't know how that works uh i'm gonna go on the assumption that it was a closed adoption in which case once you like pass over the baby like that's like that's it. it yeah so you know and it's not like they had facebook or anything where she could like track her life or anything like so she i think she literally was just oblivious to what her daughter went on to become and what like went on to live with and all that stuff like she really just didn't know yeah which is heartbreaking yeah god i'm such a bringer of joy (laughs) i mean at least they found the person who did it yes and i'm very excited to do a part two i'm gonna keep tabs on this i'm waiting a recent case too which is crazy yeah yeah and with that come come hang out with us yeah come chat with us about this crazy fucking case and like the freaking coincidence of that jane doe being so and let us yeah that that one was crazy crazy. i don't think they ever found out who that jane doe was though that's sad um and like tell us your theories about uh amherst 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 yeah i I was i can't remember if it was ann like a n n hurst no Amherst or Amherst but yeah let us know what do you think it is I'm I was so hardcore team demon but I think poltergeist because like it was more playful than dangerous now that I think about it except the whole stabbing thing that's what threw me off and like the lighting up fires yeah maybe it was both maybe it was was a demonic poltergeist there we go (laughs) 
it's solved. <laughs> um, but come uh, chat with us about it. It is well, we have Instagram. It's a Spooky Hour podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Spooky Hour, and our email is the Spooky Hour Podcast six 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 at gmail dot com. We have some spooky tales. We just need like what a few more, two three yeah. more. Yeah, give us, give us some spooky tales. And then we'll release an episode for you guys. Yay! Uh, oh my god, and also happy halfway to Halloween. Forgot yeah. to say that at the beginning. Yay! Happy halfway to Halloween. <laughs> Deck, oh my like, god, I didn't even talk about the best thing that's ever happened. Dexter's coming back. <gasps> Holy shit, how did we forget about that? <laughs> there, we're ending the episode on a high. Fuck yeah. my sad story, Dexter's coming back. Dexter, they're coming back with a new season and... Hopefully they fucking revamped the shit fucking season final or season series final. That, that they whole did. season. Yeah. I don't want to ruin it for anyone that I hasn't watched it. I felt like it, a but... little kid on Christmas when I saw the trailer. I was like sitting there like jumping up and down. I'm yeah. excited. Stuart didn't like tell me. Show. He's like, you just have to watch this. And I started watching it and I started screaming. And then I'm so fucking excited. As soon as he started talking, I was like, oh. <gasps> but the fall. So it's coming in the fall. So that's perfect all. timing i can't yeah. wait and we'll be fully vaccinated by then so we can snuggle in blankets and yeah. well, oh then, my god watch next i'm so excited oh my god with a cup of nice mulled wine oh, oh my god yes i fucking can't wait we're ending this on a high we are stay spooky friends stay spooky bye bye